That's okay. At the moment, we are looking into a subtopic called Thanksgiving. We started um, our discussion on Thanksgiving on Tuesday, on Tuesday last week. And um, we started by saying that after every victory, God expects you to go into a season and a period of Thanksgiving. And uh, we said that it is essential for you to rehearse what God has done in your life. And if you don't rehearse what God has done in your life, then there is a possibility that you will forget what he has done. And then if you forget, it means that when you come across the next um, challenge in your life, you will not be able to, you will not know what to do and you will run out of ideas. Hallelujah. But supernaturally, when you give yourself to thanksgiving and you give yourself to rehearsing what God has done in your life, supernaturally hope will be born in your heart when you are faced with another challenge. And then also we learned last week that every time you rehearse what God has done in your life, you give an opportunity, you give yourself an opportunity for that thing to be repeated in your life. And this is how you also, um, you, you can also use natural things to um, understand what I'm talking about here. Now, if when you were young, somebody said, um, maybe someone you respected a lot, um, said that um, you were a nobody, that um, you can't amount to any good. Now, you see, what really, you see, what that person said really contained no power in itself. But what made it become powerful in your life is that you repeated it to yourself. You kept rehearsing it to yourself. And the more you kept rehearsing it to yourself, the more opportunities you created in the realm of the spirit for that thing to express itself in your life. Did you see that? The more opportunities you created for yourself in the realm of the spirit for that thing to become true in your life. Hallelujah. So it follows the law of confession, which is that anything you don't want in your life, you don't repeat it. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter who said it. Anything you don't want, you don't rehearse it. Hallelujah. Because you know, you know, just I, I just had this example of you know, when someone says, Oh, that okay, you are stupid, then you now ring up uh, the first person, he said, Hear what he called me, he said, I'm stupid. Then you ring up the second person, Hear what he called me, he said, I'm stupid. Before you know what's happening, you start believing really that you are stupid. Do you understand? So, anything you don't want, anything that is not uh, desirable to you don't rehearse it hallelujah but if there is anything that is desirable to you then rehearse it then repeat it and that's what we're saying that if there is a miracle that god has done in your life make sure you rehearse it make sure you repeat it hallelujah and in the realm of the spirit what you do is that you create an opportunity for yourself to come back into a repetition of what you are rehearsing. Hallelujah. That's why people with um, devastating 
circumstances or maybe uh, no not circumstances devastating um, events you know maybe like there was an event something that happened and it was devastating now the more you talk about it the more you give yourself an opportunity for that event to repeat itself in your life the more you rehearse it to people hallelujah even though you are doing it out of innocence you are doing it out of well um i am hurting please come and see what is going on in my life come and help me but you see every time you repeat it you are giving yourself an opportunity for it to be repeated in your life and this is how it happens every time you repeat it the picture of that event solidifies in your heart so it means that the hope for that event to repeat itself in your life is born and it is hard to shake it out hallelujah so you repeat it you entrench it in your heart and you also speak it again so it then means that the 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 up the the things around the earth that's everything that is going on your circumstances your situations your world will then begin to adjust to ensure that what you are saying will eventually come to pass so that's why it's very important that we establish a practice and a habit of thanking God for what he has done in our lives for the miracles that he has wrought in our lives and let me tell you something again about the nature of the things of God we'll come to that in uh, our third lesson on Thanksgiving but there is something about the nature of the things of God you see because Satan took over this world from Adam when Adam sinned in the garden of Eden he pervaded everywhere that you can think of with his own ideas with corruption and with everything that you can think of that is anti-God now Jesus came to deliver us from that kingdom of darkness and move us into the kingdom of light but then the way he brings out manifestations in our lives is by getting us to plant seeds so you have to think like a farmer when you are in the kingdom of god that you are planting seeds and the nature of the things of god and the nature of the seed of god is that once you are planting the seed of god it always appears to be the smallest it always appears to be the most insignificant of what you are handling hallelujah so when we say you are thanking god for these testimonies and these miracles once when, when you start doing this kind of a thing what you are thanking god may look insignificant to the situations that you are faced with today you may wait and say okay you are saying that uh, i should thank god for sleeping yesterday and waking up but how has that got to do with the situation i am facing today how do those relate It's because you don't understand how seeds work in the kingdom of god because when seeds are sown in the kingdom of god they are the smallest but eventually they grow to become the largest of the trees in the forest hallelujah 
when the when 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 when, when the disciples turned to Jesus, they wanted they had a situation to feed five thousand adults, not talking of children and wives. And they looked around. How are we going to resolve this thing? Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus knew in himself what he will do. But the others did not know. So they were scampering around. The first person said, even if we buy 200 penny worth of bread, and we decide to give them tiny crumbs out of the bread that we bought, it still will not satisfy everybody. So, straight away, they ruled it out that, look, our money cannot buy us out of this situation. Then they still were wondering, so, this, so what does Jesus want us to do in this situation? They still looked around and looked around and guess what? Somebody now said, mm, okay, but there's a boy here that has five loaves and two fishes. But you see, the revelation in that whole encounter was not even conveyed sufficiently through what Jesus did. It was conveyed through the question that the disciple was asking. He said, what be this among so many? That this thing, that five loaves and two fishes, what be this among so many? That is how the things of God are in your life. That when God gives you a revelation... Of the steps to take and the things to do. You will look at it carnally and say, What be this among so many? And it was what those people classified as insignificant that this thing cannot handle the situation we have here. It was that thing that Jesus now took from them and said, Let me have it. And what did Jesus do about it? Raised it up to God, thanked him. And he said, go and distribute. So it means that the things that will change your life radically don't immediately appear to be the brightest and the most significant things around you. So when we say, begin to thank God for what he has done in your life, if you can't look for an outstanding miracle in your life, thank God for waking up this morning. If you go and find out medically, it doesn't take much in terms of milligrams. Measures of milligrams or milliliters. It doesn't take much for a mixture of two or three things in a man's body to go out of sync that can permanently damage that person. Like the mixture, the mixture of substances in a man's brain. God has calculated it perfectly when he was creating man. That that mixture is just right and it's just there and it keeps you going and it keeps you functioning. But when you go and find out the person who slept yesterday and did not wake up and now find out that, okay, what went wrong in the person's body? And you discover that what went out of balance 
was something in the order of a few milligrams and a few milliliters. Do you understand? Something that tiny. They said, okay, if you want to play football, we will test you. We will test your heart. We will test everything about you. They tested everything and somebody still fell down. Do you understand? And when the people started making noise in the media, the experts came out and said, look, we do our best. We check everything. But let us submit today that the best of checks cannot catch this thing. The best. So, and the footballers go through the best of medical checks that you can never think of. You have, none of you here has ever gone through the medical tests that a footballer goes through before they allow them to be sold to another club. And the man said the best of our checks could not have detected that that thing was going to happen to that fellow, the bolting guy. Now, you don't have any such test being done on you every day. And then you wake up, you sleep in the night, and you wake up in the morning, and you don't think that is a miracle. <laughs> Hallelujah. So that's where you should start from. If you can't think of anything else, start with that one. That one in itself is a miracle. Hallelujah. you are mentally sound and you are classified by the society as mentally sound and responsible I hope you know that what makes a man go from being mentally sound to being not mentally sound Is something in the order of milligrams and milliliters. Hallelujah. If they say there's too much water in the brain, it's not the water that can fill a couple. <laughs> it's not the water, you know, you know when you see the water, say, so, oh, okay, there was too much water, and you look at a cup of water. No. It's in the order of milliliters. Hallelujah. Some of these things in the order of things you can't even see with your physical eyes. That they have to apply instruments and everything to test the levels of those substances. So you are mentally sound today and then you are still mentally sound tomorrow. You are mentally sound yesterday and you are still mentally sound today. Is enough a miracle. Hallelujah. For that alone, I give thanks. Now, we have settled those two. For all of us seated here, don't tell me that there isn't much more beyond those two that I've just mentioned. So that is enough for you to start dancing in the morning when you wake up and be happy. That is, if they say, come and give testimony, 
he may sound ridiculous but I slept yesterday and I woke up today that's my testimony hallelujah <laughs> it may sound ridiculous to canal people <laughs> but that is my testimony every other thing is addition extra surplus hallelujah extra benefit So there isn't any reason for any believer in church not to be thankful to God. And there is something you should be thankful to God about. But let's, um, proce- uh, let's you know, progress with our discussion on thanksgiving. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12. I'll read from verse 7. Genesis chapter 12, verse, verses 7 to 9. Remember also we mentioned something about an altar. An altar is a place, that, a monument that you build, you know, um, around what God has done in your life. Um, in the old covenant, they built physical altars. But in the new covenant, we build um, memory banks in our heart about what God has done. Hallelujah. So as we read the Old Testament scriptures and read about you know these altars being built let us relate them to something that is going on on the inside of us hallelujah when we praise and worship god and the lord appeared unto abraham and said unto thy seed will i give this land that the lord appeared unto abraham just an appearance and what did abraham do and there builded he an altar unto the lord who appeared unto him you see, in those days, God didn't appear to people just anyhow, as in so often. He might appear to one person today, and they don't, and maybe for the rest of that person's life, they won't see him again. So every appearance of God in those days to anybody in the land of Israel was treasured. Hallelujah. So what did he do? He built an altar that this is where God appeared to be and then verse 8 says he moved on and he removed from thence unto a mountain unto the east of Bethel and pitched his tent having Bethel on the west and high on the east and there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord and Abraham journeyed going on still toward the south then let's go to um Genesis chapter 13, the next chapter, we read verses 1 to 4. And he says, And Abraham went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had. You know, they had some situation in Egypt, but we won't go through that. And lot with him into the south. And Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first and there Abram called on the name of the Lord did you see that? so he had an encounter with God at one place he built an altar there 
and then he moved on he went to egypt and when he came back again from egypt through that place the bible says that he got to that altar and from that altar he called upon the name of the lord in fact let me tell you in the old covenant it was very rare that anyone called upon the name of the lord without looking for an altar hallelujah it was very rare so he said there he called upon the name of the lord he said this is the scriptural precedence for prayers and thanksgiving to always come together so our altar in the new covenant is the place the things that god has done for us in the past so i don't start praying about things without calling back into remembrance what god already did in my past and it is from there that i begin to offer the next prayer hallelujah Students of the world might want to say, yeah, that Old Testament, where do you find that in the New Testament? Philippians 4, 6. It says, be careful for nothing, but in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Anytime Paul said you should continue in prayer, it will, you will always find that word thanksgiving locking around the place. Anytime Paul started a letter, he will say something like, I give thanks for this and for that. And then a prayer will come again. Hallelujah. From there, he called upon the name of the Lord. Whenever you want to call upon the name of the Lord, call upon Him from where He has blessed you before. Hallelujah. So it doesn't mean that, okay, um, three years ago you got blessed in Manchester. So it doesn't mean that you have to go to Manchester to go and pray from that same spot where you are blessed. No, that's not what it means. What it means is that you remember what he has done appreciate him for it thank him for it rehearse it jubilate around it and based on that you will now begin to thank him you begin to thank him you begin to recall it you call it back to your remembrance and from there you will now link your thanksgiving and your prayer how do you link it? You say, the God who did X and Y for me yesterday, I thank you because Z is a small matter for you. You did X and Y for me yesterday. I have come with Z before you and I know that Z is a small matter for you. Lord, I thank you because Z is done. X and Y was done yesterday. I thank you because Z is also done. Hallelujah. Amen. 
It says from there he called upon the name of the Lord. So anytime you want to pray, just look for one similar miracle in your life. And tag it to that prayer. Staple it to that prayer. Lord, I thank you for X and Y. And then you staple it to your prayer point for Z. In fact, I was even going to say that if you are somebody that likes writing, listing prayer points down, this is what you should do. Write items 1 to 10. 1 to 5 should be the things that God did that you are thanking Him for. 6 to 10 should be depending ones. So the same paper that you are holding, you are not just going to be seeing a bunch of things that can potentially depress you. You will see a bunch of things first that will potentially excite you and remind you that God is a good God. And then you will now look at the rest and say, no, 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 no. The God who did 1 to 5 is definitely on top of 6 to 10. Hallelujah. Don't isolate them. Bring them together. Bring the things that God has done in your past. Bring them together to the things that are pending. And before you know what is happening, 1 to 10 will all be ticked off. Before you know what is happening, 1 to 10 would have been completely ticked off. But how did you start? You started with 1 to 5 being done. The disciples said, what be these among so many? Jesus did not answer that statement. He just took the thing from them. And thank God, that was all he needed. He needed that seed. What God did in your past yesterday is the seed for your future. That is the seed. Start thanking him. Start worshipping him. Start praising him on those things. And before you know what is happening, hope will be born inside your heart. The Spirit of God will be moving inside your heart, showing you pictures of possibility around those things that are surrounding you today. Hallelujah. Let's go on to the next passage of Scripture uh, that will, you know, enforce that revelation of thanksgiving in our heart thanksgiving is powerful because what thanksgiving will do is to connect you is to establish that connection between what God has already done and the situation you are facing today it will establish that connection hallelujah and you see what God has already done will eventually overflow into that area that has been pending. Hallelujah. Anytime I needed a new contract, I never uttered the first word of prayer to God until I recalled every contract. I recalled every single one of them from day one. I, and I can tell you which month I started and which month I left. All the places where I've worked. Not because I needed to 
tell people about it in an interview because I rehearse it before God often. So I can tell you that this was the year I started, this was the month I started, this was the month I finished. And this was the month I started at this one, this was the month I finished. All my contracts, all of them. So when I had to pray, I will rehearse every single one of them complete from the beginning. Oh, I have a desperate situation. Look, that situation is not desperate enough for me to reduce my thanksgiving to God. If time runs, if time runs out on me, we'll continue from there tomorrow. Do you understand? Because a lot of times we might think we might even hear a message like this, and because you think that ah, let me quickly get in there and be pray, 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 pray. So you now think that okay, uh, they say we should thank God. Let me just thank Him for ten minutes, so I can now go and unleash everything I have to say against God. Look, your thanksgiving and your praise can do a lot more than you can ever imagine. And by the time you finish, God is already at work. He is already at work. He is already doing, the matter is already done by the time you finish. There was this um, testimony of a woman, they were were queuing up at a meeting uh, to 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 see the minister. And then it got to a point where the meeting itself was about to start. So the minister now said to the people that queued up that, look, you know what? I have to go for the meeting now. So I can't see all of... I I can only see one more person. The person whose turn it was to be seen now said that it appears that the person behind me has a more desperate situation that I will give up my space for the person behind me to see the minister. And I'll just go and sit in the service. And guess what? The man said, fine, I'll see this next person. And then he saw the next person. But something happened. By the end of praise and worship, before the man could speak, the woman who gave up her space on the line got healed supernaturally of her infirmity. That's while thanking God and praising God. Because for her to give up that space, it was an act of faith. That look, I am not going to die before I see this man. So let this other person see this man. And after praise and worship, she was supernaturally healed. Without anyone praying for her and without anyone touching her. God's touch is supernatural and you will experience it more often if you are somebody who is sold out to thanksgiving and praise. There is nothing that, there is no help that anybody can bring to you that God cannot supernaturally bring to you if it comes to that. What did the Bible say? Lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. So the woman wanted hands to be laid on her so she could recover. And then she gave up the space and went to sit down. 
and guess what God supernaturally touched her so there was no need for any man to lay hands on her again so if you are someone who is given to thanksgiving and praise God look and you know there are times in life where we can even get to a place where where we are expecting people we had expectations of people and people did not perform to those expectations that we had of them we had we were expecting people to help us in certain situations and they did not help but if you are someone who is sold out to thanksgiving and praises whether they help you or they don't help you god has sorted your matter as far as you are concerned if it means god raising another person to help so be it if it means god himself sending an angel to do it so be it hallelujah but because because you've given thanks to him you've praised him you have implicitly said to god that my trust is in you and that you cannot fail me hallelujah so we'll read this uh, we'll quickly read this uh, next um, story and then we'll round up now let's turn our bibles to first samuel we're going to read a story about Jonathan and we're going to read a story about David. And then we'll round up. 1 Samuel chapter 14. I'll start reading from verse 1 quickly because of our time. Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan the son of Saul said unto the young man that bear his armor, Come and let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father. So this was a clandestine mission. This was a secret mission. And Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people that were with him were about 600 men. And Ahia, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. You see the story here? Saul had thousands of people with him, or sorry, hundreds of people with him, but Jonathan was gone with his armor bearer. And between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over unto the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other Sene. The forefront of the one was situate northward over against Michmash, and others southward against, over against Gibeah. And Jonathan said unto the young man that bear his armor, Come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. Note that word uncircumcised, because we are going to see it again. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Did you see that? That God is not restricted. He can save by many. And he can save by few. That is how you are supposed to live your life. That God can save me by many or by few. In fact, I can even dare to, to add, or by no one. <laughs> that God himself will personally deliver me in this situation. Hallelujah. 
because there is a safety you know the world says that there is what safety in numbers now they had 600 people with Saul 600 people with Saul but Jonathan said God can save by many or by few so he left all the 600 people with Saul and went away with who? one person is Amobiara did you see that? And when he now got to the verge of attacking the Philistines, he now said, God is able to save us by many or by few. It meant that he was aware of God's supernatural workings. Because it is a foolish person that will take only one Amobiara and say he wants to go and conquer a whole country. You get, without having some extra stuff that he knows about. And also, it is a foolish person that will abandon 600 armed soldiers and now walk away with only one person to go and defeat a whole country. When we could have arranged all the 600 people to go and overrun the place and clean them off. But he understood something about the supernatural workings of God. And let us read on. And Isamel Biara said unto him, Do all that is in thy heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thine heart. So it means that even the Amel Biara was like, Okay, whatever I say you want to do, I am with you. And you see, it, that man was expressing the fact that there was something in Jonathan's heart. He didn't have access to it. So he just said, So if you turn, ask me to turn left, we will turn left. Ask me to turn right, we will turn right. You are the only one who knows what we are going to do here. And then said Jonathan, Behold, we will pass over unto these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. Discover means that we will reveal ourselves unto them. We will show ourselves unto them. Two people to a whole country. If they say thus unto us, Tarry until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and will not go up unto them. But if they say thus, come up unto us, we will go up, for the Lord hath delivered them into our hand. And this shall be a sign unto us. And both of them discovered themselves unto the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they had hid themselves. And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come, come up to us and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord had delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer slew after him. Can you see that? Two people and that first slaughter which Jonathan and his Amobiara made was 20 men within as it were an half acre of land which a yoke of oxen might plough and there was trembling in the host in the field and among all the people two people though, still causing all this trouble they also trembled and the earth quaked so it was a very great trembling and the watchmen of Saul in Gibeah of Benjamin looked and behold the multitude melted away and they went on beating down one another do you see supernatural Jonathan defeated the enemy with just one soldier 
just one soldier. Was that not a supernatural victory? Does that not fall into the category of the things we should be thanking God about? It does. Then one other thing again that I should also mention to you. It was done in secret. Note that again. It was done in secret. So it means that there are things in your life that God has done that only you appreciate them. Only you know the worth of those things to you. So only you can thank God for them sufficiently and appropriately. So when you are coming to church, yes, we are going to sing songs of thanksgiving, but you see, when that song starts and we start singing it, what it means to you is different from what it means to me. Because to me, I am thinking of that deliverance that God gave me last week. To you, you are thinking of that deliverance that he gave you yesterday. So it means different things to us. Why? Because it is in our personal lives. That victory was personal. That victory was in secret. People were not there. There are things you have prayed about in secret that people don't know about. And here we are. This is the victory that God has given. So, if we were to obey what God told Moses in Exodus 17, what should Jonathan and that Amobera, what should they have been doing after this victory? Good. To be thanking him and to be rehearsing it. Now, let's run over to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Verses 10 and 11. He says, And the Philistine said, That's Goliath, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Did you see that? In, verse, in chapter 16, did we not read about someone who said that the Lord can save by many or by few? Did we not read about him? Now, just one chapter after, Goliath came out of that same country, the Philistines, and now said, ah, Give me one man and let us fight. And the Bible says everybody was afraid and dismayed. It says Saul and the whole of Israel. Is Jonathan not a part of Israel? So Jonathan too was scared. Why? No thanksgiving. No rehearsal. So they forgot. And once you forget, the next challenge will look too big for you. So they were nowhere to be found. Goliath was thumping up and down. Uh, uh, nowhere to be found. Now let's go to verses 32 to 39. So enter a man called David. And David said unto Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of this guy. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, 
For thou art but a youth, and Goliath is a man of war from his youth. So, what they were saying to David here is that you don't have experience. So, you cannot handle this situation. But, these people were carnal because David had spiritual experience. And what we needed here was spiritual experience. So, what was this experience? So, David now had to sell himself to Saul. You understand? Because Saul had already told him that, Ah, you, you this little boy, you don't have any experience of war now. And this man has been fighting war since he was young. So what are you talking about? You cannot go and fight him. So David now had to sell himself in that job interview. And now say to Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear. And took a lamb out of the flock. I went out after him and smote him. And delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. Did you see that? Did I not say the other time that when you thank God for one to five, you will now say that six to ten shall be as one of them. Did you see that now? Did you see the connection? David did not forget. There are things in your past that you have forgotten about that could have brought you a better future. Hallelujah. There are things that are in your past. They are like powerful seeds. So David was now saying that when the lion came against me, I fought it and I conquered it. When the bear came against me, I fought it and I conquered it. And he said, These uncircumcised Philistine shall be as the lion and the bear. I.e., I'm going to add this Goliath to my list of conquests. Hallelujah. Then let me remind you of something I showed you in chapter 16. Did you remember that when Jonathan was going to fight those people, did you remember the use of that word uncircumcised? Now, don't we have it come up here again? He said, This uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. Let me submit to you. Jonathan had everything that he took to defeat Goliath. He had defeated... Look, he even had more... What, in what um, the, the secular world would call more relevant experience. Did you see that? Because we could easily challenge David and said, Ah, Oga, it was lion and bear that you fought. We are talking about Goliath here. Hallelujah. So it means that the victories, the situations didn't even have to look the same. Fighting a lion or fighting a bear was different from fighting Goliath. But he said that the God who delivered the lion and the bear into my hands will surely deliver this uncircumcised Philistine into my hand. Hallelujah. So you see now that lack of rehearsal, 
lack of consideration of the past miracles resulted in the people losing their spiritual perception. They forgot who God was and who they were. And, of course, you all know the rest of the story. David went ahead to defeat Goliath while the whole of Israel stood back. Now, let me read that. Let me just finish that passage and we close the service. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, that's verse 37, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put an element of brass upon his head. Also, he armed him with his coat of mail. And David guarded his sword upon his armor, and he assayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with this, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. Hallelujah. Did you see that? That once you, 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 you came in contact with a lion, you defeated that lion using the word of faith. You came in contact with a bear, you defeated that bear using the word of faith. Now you came in contact with a Goliath. And they now gave you armor. That even when Goliath sees that armor, he too will be scared and think that, yes, somebody equal to me has come to fight me. But guess what? David said, it's too heavy for me. I can't wear it. I have not proved it. David said, I have not proved it. And he says, take it off. Now, what did he do? The things that he had proven were the things he used again against Goliath. So it means that the same God that you called upon the first time that answered you and the same God that you called upon the second time and answered you is going to answer you again the third time. Did you see that? That's how it works. David stepped forward and said, The Lord who delivered me from the lion and the bear will definitely put Goliath's head into my hand. Now, did the victories, do they look the same? No. Did they look similar? No. But you see, people with spiritual understanding will ask, now, eh, but this thing, these two things are different now. How is it relevant? I have counseled with somebody before and I said, look, look at, look at something God did in your past and I know about it. Look, this is what he did in your past. This is number one. Then I said to the person, now, look, this is number two. See what God did in your past again. That's another victory. And I said, this other one that is looking so big to you is a small matter for God. And you know what this person said back to me? He said, Pastor, these two you are talking about, they don't look like this third one. So how uh, that they are not relevant. That's how canal people will see it. But David said that the Lord who delivered me from the lion and the bear shall give me Goliath. So the situations didn't have to look similar for God to walk again. Hallelujah. They didn't have to look similar for God to walk again. So that's number one thing I want to show you again. Another thing I want to show you is that 
Saul, remember I told you, he did it in secret. When David came to Goliath, what, and he was telling us this story, did anyone, do we have any evidence that people saw him when he was fighting the lion? Do we have any evidence that people saw him when he was fighting the bear? So it means that the things that God has done in your life that only you knows about is enough to announce you the day Goliath comes against the nation. So he was thanking God in his privacy. Nobody knew about it. He was worshipping God, thanking God. Lord, I thank you for that victory you gave me over the lion. Then another time, I thank you for that victory you gave me over the bear. So he was thanking God for these two victories. So as victories come, you keep thanking God. And guess what? The third one came and he said, The Lord who gave me the lion and the bear will give me Goliath. But guess what again? You know, it is not a task for wimps to fight a lion and a bear. I mean, you must be made up of strong stuff. You know, to fight a lion and to fight a bear and to kill that lion and to kill that bear. Now, that must have been a difficult victory. He must have fought and that could have been scary. But yet he overcame. But guess what? When it was Goliath's turn, you know what he did? He ran towards Goliath and he took the stone, bam, to his head and Goliath fell down with one stone. Guess what? Even David himself did not realize that defeating Goliath could have been so cheap. You see, that was an easier victory than Lion and the Bear. So for every victory of the Lion and the Bear you are thanking God for today, there is an easier Goliath victory that is coming. You've, 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 you've thanked God to the point that your consciousness is filled with the power of God that when he now said, give me Goliath, that David would have even thought that, yes, Goliath would have been as tough as the lion and the bear and ran towards Goliath the way he ran towards the lion and the bear and guess what? Goliath was on the ground before he got to Goliath. So it means that when you are thanking God, that next situation that is coming, will fall to the ground even before you get to it. And you will now wonder inside you that, ah, I didn't know it could be this easy. You have done difficult things in your life up to this point. But as you are thanking God, when the next one comes, you just look at it and say, ah, to be honest with you, I didn't know it would have been this easy. It was so easy that even when Goliath was on the floor, David now took Goliath's sword, his own sword, and now used it to cut his head. So easy. Hallelujah. That victory was on budget. They didn't have to spend one dime to bring Goliath down. I'll stop the message here. Hallelujah. So let's stand to our feet and let us... Um, let's give thanks to God. Hallelujah. Let us... Let's just give thanks to God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the things that we have learned today. Lord, we thank you because as we begin to thank you for all the things you've done in our privacy, as we thank you for the victory over the lion and the victory over the bear, 
we thank you because every Goliath that comes out of the wood will be easy meat for us in the name of Jesus Christ. Joshua and Caleb said that their defense is departed from them. He says, we be able to go up and possess the land. He said, because they have become bread for us. So it means that they will become our stepping stones into destiny in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Lord, we give you praise. Lord, we give you praise. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.